This is the Jaguars Broadcast Week in Review podcast presented by TIAA Bank. It's Friday, June 10th. I'm J.P. Shadrick with the best of the past week from Jaguars Radio, Jaguars.com, and all our social channels, Jaguars Twitter, Facebook, and YouTube. Thanks for listening on Jaguars.com through the podcast link at the top of the homepage or on the official Jaguars Podcast Network on iHeartRadio, iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you download your pods. We love feedback, so leave us a comment and a five-star rating. Coming up, assistant coaches met with the media Thursday afternoon. But let's begin this week with Doug Peterson's Thursday announcement of a schedule change for next week's mandatory minicamp. I'm still having the mandatory uh mini camp uh, mandatory three days but I'm only doing the rookies selected vets and our injured uh, players and the injured players are guys that you know maybe finish the season uh, with an injury they worked all off season you know they I just require them to stay here and, and still get treatment and, and rehab and so it's a chance to really work with our with our young players and some of the selected vets um, on a little more of a one-on-one basis uh, and so we're going to do that next week so the veterans are done uh, they were thrilled they were thrilled. I mean, listen, they've, they've worked extremely hard. We've had great attendance all spring. Um, we had the three-day, you know, extra mini camp back in back in April. Um, you know, and the guys are the guys are in a good spot. So um, I felt uh, I felt that it was the right time, you know, to, to give them a little little extra rest before we get ready to uh, get cranked up in July. No, it's all based on what they've done. Um, you know, I've done this kind of thing in the past, but at the same time, I wanted to, I wanted to see this group work and work together. Um, you know, it wasn't final until, you know, just uh, within the last week or so for me uh, to make to make the decision. And, and again, these guys have worked extremely hard. They've earned it. Uh, they deserve it. And, um, you know, we got done um, as a staff what we needed to get done. And uh, we'll get ready for camp. The full Doug Peterson press conference available on Jaguars.com or the Jaguars social media channels, Twitter, Facebook and YouTube. Now, with many of the veterans out of here for the summer and next week's mandatory minicamp reduced in size, the focus will then shift to Peterson's first training camp with the Jaguars starting in late July. On the Huddle Up podcast Wednesday, NFL Network analyst Bucky Brooks, John Osher, and I talked about what to expect once camp arrives. A lot of those guys who have the player-coach reputation, um, if you talk to the players who play for them, (laughs) <laughs> they'll sometimes laugh and say, you think he's a player's coach, go out to the first couple weeks of training camp. Tony Dungy was the same way, a player's coach, right? If you talk to those guys first couple weeks of Colts training camp when I was covering them, maybe not the the incredible level of contact, but he ran them now. He was a DB, and, and those guys ran and ran and ran. Uh, sometimes people thought too much. So, Bucky, sometimes those ex-players, you know, they have the respect to players, and they're gonna and they're gonna be smart once the preseason gets there, but they also understand, especially the older guys, they believe you got to hit to get ready, like you said. So Doug's a player's coach, but he does believe in that. Yeah, now the one thing that he has the advantage of because there's so many former players on the staff, they all can also understand. Hey, we got to get ready to play, and there's there's a certain way of mythology that you have to follow to get ready to play. And so if you want to be a physical team, if we're going to kind of fancy ourselves as being the bullies on the block, well, you got to knock people around and you got to get used to knocking people around because that's the style that we want to put on tape. That's the style that we want to play with because that gives us an advantage. And so you have to establish that early. You got to establish the brand. You know, the brand is toughness, effort, 
all of that stuff. And then you scale it back and you begin to kind of adhere to some of the, you know, the new school protocols when it comes to getting your players ready, how to get them to game day, feeling like they're fresh and ready to go. But no, they have to, they have to kind of battle it out. They have to go through some hard stuff to get ready to be able to play the way that they want to play in the, the regular season. I'll ask you this, Bucky, and, and this isn't necessarily a, a Jaguar-specific question, but I'm interested in your take because you played in an era that I would still consider old school. I would, I would consider the mid-'90s still. It was pre-the new CBA, certainly. Um, but with such a limited amount of opportunity to tackle – until the regular season begins. I mean, it, it it's unbelievable, really, that these guys play a sport that is tackle football and have really an incredibly small number of times they can actually hit. In your view, having seen the arc of the last maybe 30 years of the NFL, is it a less physical game once they get to the regular season now? Has that all changed that in your view? Uh, the rules have changed some okay. of the physicality and legislated some of the big hitting out. But at the end of the day, JP and John, the teams that hoist the trophy at the end are the teams that are rough and rugged. Because when we think about playoff football and how playoff football has to be played when everything is on the line, you have to be a physical team. It's hard for a finesse team to kind of walk the gauntlet to be able to make it to the end. And so what you can do, though, is you can do it in a different way to get the physical work that you need to be done. So you don't necessarily have to be in full pads, but you can have your upper zone, shoulder pads and helmets, and thud up you can do all of these things and use all the apparatus that's out there the donuts uh we've seen the remote tackling dummies and all those things you still can get on those to get the contact that you need to get done without it necessarily counting as a full contact day but the best teams the teams that tackle the best are the teams that tackle every day and so you have to find a way to do that and do it in maybe a non-traditional way but I would expect to see a team that wants to play physical, that wants to tackle well, they're going to tackle every day. And I will say this, the teams that have maybe a little more edge to them when it comes to the physicality and practice, there's a confidence that comes with that on game day if it's done the right way. Hey, man, we work harder, we're physical. So when we play on Sundays, we're going to impose our will on the other team because they don't work like we work and they don't pound it like we pound it. JP, you've been known to thud up uh, yeah. sometimes in the morning before you come in. It's my favorite. Yeah. yeah <laughs> it's, 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 it's it not. is funny, though. Like, if, if you, let's say you went into a coma in 1978, you were yeah. a football fan, and all you remembered was the seven man sled and, like, full contact two a day practices. Uh-huh. You woke up in 2022 with all these robotic tackling dummies with remote <laughs> controls and donuts and drones and, like, what is going on? It's a totally different world now. They've used the technology to, uh, you know, since they've changed some of the rules, the technology helps out to your point there, Bucky. It's just a totally different world than it was 40 years ago. The Huddle Up podcast each Wednesday on Jaguars.com through the podcast link or subscribe to the official Jaguars podcast network wherever you download your pods. A couple Jaguars players joined us this week. First off, safety Rayshon Jenkins on the Ozone Podcast Friday. He discussed the recovery from a severe ankle injury last season. Uh, I feel pretty good right now. I've been practicing with the guys as far as individual drills. I've been cutting uh, on it. Uh, I haven't really been thinking about it too much, so it feels really, really good. Uh, Shout out to Dr. Vossler, who did Mm -hmm. my surgery. Um, 
like you said, I actually snapped my bone. Right. You know, I had to get a, uh, I, I had to get a plate and six screws in it. Okay. You know, with a tightrope, I want to say. So uh, mentally, I'm good though. Okay. I, I will say just because this isn't the first time I've had to go through something like this, and okay. I had back surgery in college in 2014. I was out 20, 20 months with Ooh, that. So okay. the, the, with this one, I was only out five months. You know, so. It, to me, that was a that, that's a blessing to me, right. you know. So, so and the it, good news is this is this, some injuries that are severe, which this was a tough one, mm-hmm. can be ones that uh, physically it's difficult to. Oh, get Oh yeah, it can be career from. ending. Sometimes this doesn't sound like that. No, no, not at all. I feel when I when I tell you, it, I literally feel like nothing happened to my leg okay. at all, and um, thank God, you know, for that. And you know, like I said, shout out Dr. Vossler for that as well. So. Um, it can be a good thing or a bad thing mm-hmm. depending on how you look at it and how you approach it. And I'm approaching it, you know, very optimistic. The Ozone Podcast on Jaguars.com and the official Jaguars Podcast Network. On Jaguars Happy Hour Radio Thursday afternoon, Jaguars defensive end and outside linebacker Josh Allen joined me and explained what yet another defensive scheme will do for him and how it's being taught. Well, how different is Mike Caldwell's scheme and what does it do for a guy like you? Oh, man, I, his scheme is just so – it's so different in so many different ways, if that make – I don't know, that was a little – the way I feel like this defense is, is, is built upon and the way he's teaching it to us, it's real professional. You know what I mean? It's real, okay, this is a call. Yeah, it's, we're going to get a lot of stuff done, but study the film, study how we run it, know what you need to do, execute it. But he's also teaching it us in a way of as football players, not just, you know, we don't just get a play, write it down, we'll walk through it. As he's telling us the reason why we call this play in the situation that we would call this play. And so he's getting, bringing us more situational awareness. And plus he played the game, so now he can speak to True. us in a way of, okay, like the little things, like, you know, one of our outside backers, like if I'm drifting, you know what I'm saying? Hey, we don't need to drift because if you drift now, we got this in-breaking route right here. So when you get to your point, set right here, and now you play off of that. So just having that awareness now, especially for me, I'm year four now, and so I kind of can pick up on things a little, a lot easier. Uh, so for me, you know, I think it's it's real beneficial because that's where you know I want to improve my game on is just in play skills you know what I'm saying or taking it to the next level and I feel like just with him and the other coaches around I feel like we all are taking our game to the next level and that's what I'm really excited about. Jaguars Happy Hour Radio airs Thursdays at 4 o'clock on 1010XL AM in Jacksonville, Jaguars.com, or of course the Jaguars social media channels. Wednesday evening, select season ticket members were invited to an evening with Doug Peterson and Trevor Lawrence at the stadium. It's streamed live on Jaguars.com and the Jags social channels. Brian Sexton asked about what it takes to build a championship team and mindset. How many of you guys go back to 1995? So one thing that we haven't done here is win a championship in Jacksonville, but both of you guys have won them. So, Doug, as you put together this program, what are the most important things you're looking to build that championship culture that sets it apart from the past? You know, that's, that's a great question because I think there's, there's several ways that you can win a championship, but I think the number one ingredient is to have high-character players, uh, players that... Um, you know, are on time to meetings. They're they're on time to practice. They're they're great in the community. 
They're great with the fans. You know, they're, they're, they're leaders amongst themselves. You know, the thing, the thing that I've challenged this team with is everybody can lead, not just, not just one guy. It's, it, he doesn't have to bear the burden of leadership. You know, it falls on me, it falls on the assistant coaches, and it falls on the entire football team. But high character guys that we bring here to Jacksonville because they, they love football, they have a passion for football, and, and they want to win. I mean, bottom line is they want to win. They're competitors, and, and the teams that I've either been a part of as a player and, and or coached, we always had high character players in the right position. Now listen, you gotta have talent. No, don't get me wrong, you gotta have talent. But you gotta have high character guys in those positions and uh, that, that will kind of supersede anything that comes your way during the regular season. Trevor, you came in with a championship pedigree and obviously a winning program at Clemson. What do you see now with a year under your belt that's important from your perspective to lift this thing higher? Besides all the things obviously Doug mentioned, high-quality people and great players. Yeah, I think he, I mean, he hit the nail on the head. Um, obviously, I haven't won a Super Bowl yet, and that's a little different than winning a national championship, but I was fortunate enough to be able to do that. And I think any team, um, the specialness of that team is all based on accountability, trust in one another, and that includes coaching staff, um, support staff, all the players, and I think that's the biggest thing. And I go back to Clemson and our national championship team, and there was just that sense of accountability and trust but also that sense of if, if someone wasn't doing what they needed to do, we had enough accountability to be able to check one another in, in a respectful way. And really, no stone was left unturned. And that's where I see where this place is headed when you have you know, some of your players that are supposed to be your best players, who are your most accountable players, like he was saying, on time to meetings, work the hardest. Um, that's, that's what you have to have to build a great team, and, and that's what we're building right now. The full archive available on Jaguars.com. Great shows and events coming up at Daly's Place. The Black Crows, Saturday, June 11th. That's tomorrow night. Her, Sunday, June 12th. Cheer Live, Friday, June 17th. The Jacksonville Juneteenth celebration is Saturday, June 18th. And then Friday, June 24th, the return of Tedeschi Trucks Band with Los Lobos and Gabe Dixon. Tickets and information at dailiesplace.com. Assistant coaches were made available this week, talking through the off-season program. All that after this. Jags fans, fill your wallet with one debit card that screams Duval exclusively from TIAA Bank. The Jacksonville Jaguars Visa Debit Card comes with a fierce look and fantastic features so you can pay with pride wherever you go. And it's yours free when you open a Yield Pledge checking account. Up your financial game today. Visit a financial center near you or find us at TIAABank.com slash JagsCard. TIAA Bank is a division of TIAA, FSP, member FDIC, and the official bank of the Jacksonville Jaguars. Welcome back to the Jaguars Broadcast Weekend Review Podcast presented by TIAA Bank. The Jaguars are future-focused and ready for a new look in 2022. Join us at the bank this season. Single-game tickets are on sale now for the two preseason home games against the Browns and Steelers and, of course, the regular season home games in Jacksonville against the Colts, Texans, Giants, Raiders, Ravens, Cowboys, and Titans. Prowl passes are available as well. You can lock in a season seat for as low as $299. Lock in your seats now at jaguars.com slash tickets or call 904-633-2000. Let's get into some of the assistant coach availabilities from Thursday afternoon, and we begin on offense with coordinator Press Taylor. He was asked if they've installed enough of the offense to get an idea of what they will be. I think so. I, I really do. I feel good about 
the way we were able to go about it and, and get, you know, I don't know if I could put a percentage on it. Obviously things, there's an ebb and a flow throughout the season of, you know, you, you, we thought we were going to be good at something moving forward. Turns out, you know, week eight, that, that really hasn't been our thing. Let's start to pivot this way. I think that's just kind of the ebb and flow of a season where, where teams evolve. The season, uh, the season goes and guys are in, guys are out. You're playing this team, that team. You'll kind of feature different things. But, you know, we feel like we got a lot of offense in. Uh, a lot of at least what we wanted to accomplish and then probably we're able to add kind of some bells and whistles and try to mess with guys and, and stress them a little bit and the, the mental aspect of learning the system. Uh, and guys are really receptive to that. Do you know, do you have a feel right now for what the offense is going to be about? Well, I, we think so. We think so. But, uh, you know, again, that's it's a case-by-case case deal. There's going to be games where you go in and say this is we're playing – Team XYZ, and we're going to have to throw the ball over the yard. We're going to play on this team. We're going to have to run the ball. And we, we just want the ability to be able to do what we need to do to put our guys in position to win. And so whatever that looks like, uh, you know, I'll, I'll tell you on Saturday going into the game maybe. But we'll see how it goes and, and what we want to do. But we feel like we have enough in, and the guys understand it well enough, and we will as we go into a game plan to be able to do what we need to do to put our, position, put our guys in position to win. Quarterbacks coach Mike McCoy has been employed at every level of coaching in the NFL, from an offensive assistant to a position coach to an offensive coordinator and, of course, a head coach. But having played the position gives him the ability to see what Trevor Lawrence is seeing, and he understands what Lawrence went through as a rookie. Well, you're going to get better with time. Yeah. You know, it's tough to come in the NFL as a rookie and play quarterback at this level. Uh, There's so much to learn. Not only are you learning a new system, you're learning, you know, you're playing with new teammates. Uh, the speed of the game, just the NFL game itself, it takes time. You're gonna, there's going to be some growing pains, right. and you always understand that. Well, I, I think the great thing about it is that we've all been there. Yeah. We've, we've played the position. Yeah. We've thrown an interception. We've missed a pass. Uh, we've made some mistakes before. We understand you know, it's not easy to play the position. Mm-hmm. Um, so wow. the, the big thing we've stressed to them is just communication. Mm-hmm. Tell us everything you're seeing, how you're doing it, mm-hmm. and we're going to try to do whatever we can to help Trevor be the best player he possibly could be. Jim Bob Cooter has been an assistant in the NFL since 2009, and he worked his way up to offensive coordinator of the Lions from 2016 to 2018. He's now the passing game coordinator for the Jaguars and explained what this offense could do with the personnel available. It really has become a mismatch league, especially in the pass game, Um, especially as you get into sort of the third downs, as you get into sort of the red zone, you get a lot more man coverage, you get a lot more matchups. Who are they matching up with Christian Kirk? All right, what about Zay Jones? What about Evan Ingram? What about Marvin Jones? What about Travis Etienne? Who else can we put on the field? How can we dictate certain matchups? Well, sometimes when you play certain opponents, they may have two really good cover guys but maybe that third one's not quite as good. Well, who's that third one guarding? Can, can our guy go beat him? How are they gonna match him up? To have someone, and obviously wide receivers, they major in the pass game, right? Tight ends usually do a little bit of both. Running backs usually do a little bit of both. Uh, to have guys at all three positions that can be mismatches um, is really fun for us as a coaching staff as we start drawing things up and trying to, you know, trying to do whatever we can do on Sunday to draw up that touchdown play or that third down conversion. Uh, the more guys we have that can get open, the better. I've always, you know, I've always been a been a been a fan of like, hey, they let us release five guys. Let let's get five guys that can get open. Do we have five guys that can win their individual matchups? And in this league, there's going to be great players. There's great players on defense. Sometimes they're going to cover one of our guys or two of our guys. 
But what if three, four, and five can all get open? So the more guys we can throw out there that can get open, the better for our pass game. Now to the running back room. Bernie Parmalee and the Jaguars lost Travis Etienne Jr. with a Liz Frank foot injury in the preseason last year, but they still saw him grow off the field. He's done a great job last year. Usually you sit there and you say, okay, he didn't play no football. What has he done? Well, his body has changed. He's worked hard that way. He worked hard in the classroom. He worked hard at uh, learning the offense. He, he knows that we was going to use him in different positions last year. Guess what? He's a weapon. We're still going to use him. Um, but also, he understands the only way we can do that is by learning and getting into the book, and he, he's done that. Running back James Robinson suffered an Achilles injury near the end of the season, and Parmalee talked through his mindset working back. Competitors want to get back out there. You know, and again, you know, talking with James, anytime you got a, a running back coming off an injury, you got to say it's a process. You know, you can't rush the process. Um, the main thing is, is when you come back, you want to make sure you don't have to look back. So however long it takes for you to get back so that way you don't have to look back over your shoulders, that's what you have to do. Now, it could be sooner or it may could be later, but... Your body, you got to listen to your body, got to listen to the trainers, you got to listen to those guys. But at the same time, what you can do and what you can control is your mental. You know, making sure you know the offense in and out, and then when it's time to go, then you, you, don't, hit, you don't miss a beat. Wide receivers coach Chris Jackson explained his approach to coaching the wide receivers and working with players on the best practices. I think it's well known that um, – some people say that, you know, maybe the receivers kind of underachieved last year or that was a big focal point kind of going into 2022. Um, and that's another thing that excited me, you know, putting my fingerprint on it. You know, you knew that they were going to go after some free agents or possibly in the draft. So you knew it was going to be a different room and a different genetic makeup than they had last year. So, um, you know, as a former teacher myself, I was just excited to get back in the classroom and lay down my foundation and then kind of you know, contorted or, or tweak it how I wanted to because it's not always my way. And that's why I'm very upfront with the guys. Like, my ego's at the door. If something has worked in the past for Marvin, who I would ask, you know, an 11-year veteran, what has the culture been where you've been, you know, when it's been good? What has coaches done that you've liked or did not like? So, you know, again, I have no ego. It's not my way or the highway. It's what can we do collectively, you know, to kind of make this work for everybody. And that's kind of the approach I take. And finally on offense, O-line coach Phil Rosher explained the professionalism that Brandon Sheriff brought with him from Washington, plus putting the best five linemen on the field. Brandon has the ability to, to lead through example better than anybody I've ever seen. And when you go out there and you watch him practice, he practices the right way. He practices at a speed and a tempo that is, is real. And guys feed off that and then the other thing is is when you're in the meeting room it doesn't when you're a coach you get up there and you say okay we need to operate do this we need to block these guys this is the technique we want to use and this is but at the end of the day the guys who have done it they're going to listen to them and and so Brandon is the kind of guy that in a meeting you know he may lean over to you and be like you know I would take this hand grip right here and and like those young guys sit there and they eat it up, and they should eat it up because that is a really good football player teaching football. And that's what's important is, is everybody in that meeting room is learning. And it doesn't matter that they're learning from me. They have to learn from each other. And then when it becomes nut-cutting time on a Sunday afternoon, they can look at each other and they understand what has to get done because of that communication. Now, is Brandon 
uh, one of the best guards in football. I absolutely believe that with all my heart. And it, and and it feeds off the whole offense season work. You know what I mean? So that that's that's what's been fun to see. And and, and he's just all around like he he know he knows how to do it. He knows how to get the job done. I think that those two things are tied in together. Okay. I, I, I think that like when you evaluate a line, okay, you evaluate the whole line. And you don't just evaluate one guy, if that makes any kind of sense. So the best five guys have to be working together. And, and so like you won't be one of the best five guys if you're not one of the best five guys, if that makes any kind of like, sure. like we, you may have every skill uh, imaginable in the world. You may be six foot six, 320 pounds and, and a monster, but if you can't work together, you can't, you can't do this for, for us. And, and I think that all that gets evaluated and, and, and it's amazing. Like people don't understand, like there is a difference between right guard and left guard. And I, I mean like, and people are like, all right, it plays guard. Well, no, I mean like, <laughs> Go try doing something with your left hand you've never done before. It's a lot harder than right. people would think. So all that stuff gets evaluated. All that, when me and Todd uh, sit down and talk about, okay, where do we see people fitting, it, 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 it all ties into one another. But this group, a lot like the group I had in Minnesota where I was very lucky to coach with, they, they like each other. Mm-hmm. And that's not always the case. And when they like each other, and then they start to love each other. Then they start playing for each other. And then it doesn't really matter where they play because they all can speak the same language, if that makes any kind of sense. Because, again, these guys are all good football players. They're all here for a reason. Now, can they, can they, what can they do to help us? And that's what we're looking for organizationally. So there are some great competitions and battles that are going to happen here in training camp. And they know and understand what's about to happen in training camp. It's been communicated with them. And now we'll just see, you know, what rises and, and, and go from there. We'll hear from the defensive coaches after this. Welcome back. Let's hear from special teams coordinator Heath Farwell on the kicking competition between first-year player Ryan Santoso and rookie Andrew Mevis. It's been a really good battle. Um, Ryan Santoso has done a really good job. He's a uh, uh, guy's loaded with talent. So he's a guy that's been on the edge for the last couple of years, and he started out he was punting and kicking, and so that's one thing I want to do is just kind of solidify him into the kicking, and he's done a fantastic job. Um, very talented, just got to get him more consistent, and, he's, and he did that all, all spring. So um, I'm really excited where he's headed. Um, you know, he's going to have about five weeks off, and just trying to give him all the tools I can getting into this break so come training camp, we really got a good battle. And then Andrew Mevis. Andrew Mevis is, is a good young player that is very consistent. You know, early on, he showed up and it wasn't quite as consistent. But that's part of the deal. It's part of being a rookie. But then here he was. He finished off the last few practices as good as anybody. So, um, again, we got a really good battle that I'm looking forward to seeing, uh, you know, develop come training camp. You know, preseason games, all that stuff. You know, we try to give him as much tools as we can this offseason and coach him up, give him some details. And then come training camp, let's see what they've, they've taken all this month and then see what it looks like come, you know, training camp practices, preseason games. Who can really stay focused every single practice, every single kick? And we'll see who's the, who wins the job and, 
and, and I think, like I said, I'm excited to see the battle. Farwell also discussed the dynamic returning ability of Jamal Agnew. Yeah, and he's a guy that, you know, obviously I've watched for several years. Um, you know, and, and in fact, I tried to get him, you know, all the teams I've been on. So um, he's a super talented guy. Um, I'm excited to have him. One of the one another reason why I'm here. You know, you got a returner like that that's that talented and that good. Um, we're excited to have him out there for sure. Yeah, it's going to be a, uh, like I said, I'm, I've been kind of taking him slow, pulling him back as much as I can with, you know, as far as with the training staff of, Hold it. He wants to go every time, and it's like, hey, buddy, just just relax. We got time. We got time. Let's just make sure he's primed and ready, you know, come week one. On to defense now with coordinator Mike Caldwell and his reaction after coming out of draft weekend with some key defensive players. Like I said, I was pleased and happy, excited about the guys because you know the guys that you're getting are quality human beings first and players that you talk to their college coaches, they – are the right type of guy. They're wired the right way. They're the guys that you don't have to push them. They're self-motivated and they're good players already. And we're just going to mold them into Jag players. Moving along to veteran defensive coach and Jaguars senior defensive assistant Bob Sutton. And when I say veteran, I mean it. His coaching career started as a grad assistant under Bo Schembechler at Michigan in 1972. He was the defensive coordinator at West Point for eight seasons before becoming head coach of Army for the next nine seasons, ending in 1999. He then moved to the NFL as an assistant in 2000. He's been a defensive coordinator for the Jets and Chiefs, and he's now entering his second year with the Jaguars. I asked him if a a coaching staff filled with former players helps. But I think the one thing after you know doing this for a while in the league, I think players um, in the end respect the people that can help them at their position, you know, and and hey, it's helped them get a chance to play, extend their career, whatever. So I think one thing about you know, at least I remember when I came in, that was a long time ago, but. You know, I was wondering, like, how are they going to react and all, you know, I've been a college guy my whole life. And, and what I found out is, hey, you know, if, if, you, if what you're doing is helping them, they're going to listen. Once they, they say it's not, they, they, might not, they may not listen as intently as you might like. So I think that's one of the things. And, you know, Mike's a former player, obviously, but I think above that he's an excellent teacher, you know. I really think he's got it, and he's, he's got a great command of the room, you know. What's the calling card of this defense going to be, if we had to, to kind of sum it up in a paragraph? Well, I think, I think that's, going to be, that's going to be evolving. You know, it's going to be, uh, you know, this system, you know, uh, is, is very flexible. You know, it has a lot of parts. Uh, a lot of things you can do. It's not a. It's not just just this or just that. You really have a lot of things you can you can use and call. And I think uh, the systems that I've been like this uh, usually it it gets pushed a little bit to the way the players play. Like you know who who's going to be your main guys, and then you you try to emphasize, which I think is smart. You know you don't have to ditch your system, but hey, if we have this right now, let's lean this way. You know. Uh, if we can rush with four guys, let's rush with four and cover as many. If we can't, then let's rush with as many guys as we need and we'll figure out how to cover. But I think that's based on, uh, on how our personnel comes along, how they adapt to it. Now to defensive line coach Brinson Buckner and his thoughts on nose tackle Devon Hamilton. When I first watched film, I remember coming out of Ohio State, I did. For a big guy, he was explosive. But then I seen a couple of years, the system he's played in sort of like put a fence around that because of the style of football they, they played. 
But now since he's been here and re and changing his body and readapting, you see the explosion that he had coming out of out of Ohio State. You know, and a lot of people don't realize, you no, know, Devon Hamilton's a 330-pound man that can run. And we're starting to see that again on the film because he's unlocking that body now because that's what we're demanding of him. You know, Coach Caldwell demand 11 hats to the ball. We're running. Don't be afraid to get tired. And so you're starting to see him do that. And, uh, and it's amazing. And then we also he's starting to figure out, I'm not just a nose guard. I can play D-line. If I can play D-line, I can line up in any position and, and, and be successful. And so we're starting to see that start to come about, and it's, it's going to make us a better unit and a better defense when we get, get him and other guys with that type mindset. And his initial impressions of Foley Fatukasi. He has been. He has been big, physical, you know, well-mannered kid. Actually, I tell him he's too nice. I want to be a little meaner, but that's just his demeanor. He's just a great kid, works hard, you know what I mean? And, you know, he knows when to go and when to go. But I told him I want him to be a bully, but he, is, he has been as advertised. He's going to add a physical presence to our mindset. He wake up and choose physicality, and he's going to bring that mentality to us up front and be another big-bodied guy that can play alone so now we can play chess with our with our D-line, you know what I mean? We, we're not just going to line up, everybody's going to be in the same position all the time. No, we, 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 ha we have some different ways we can use those type guys. On to the linebacker room now, and there's lots of new there for inside linebackers coach Tony Gilbert. Foyer Aluokin came in free agency, of course, from the Falcons, but then Devin Lloyd came in the first round and Chad Muma in the third. Gilbert's initial impression of the two rookie draft picks. They're extremely long, extremely smart, intelligent. Um, they want to learn ball. Like Mike told a story about Devin. It was the first day they were coming in, and initially they tried to say, hey, leave the rookies alone. He came and found me, and we went and started watching film. We started preparing for the mini-count practice that we was going to have the next day. So in Chad, the same way. So those guys are extremely conscious. They love ball, and they want to get better. We wanted smart football players that love ball, they're great people, and that's the guys, especially in that in that room, those in that defensive room, we got those guys. Moving now to the secondary, starting with safeties coach Cody Grimm. He's the son of Pro Football Hall of Fame lineman Russ Grimm, a member of the famed Hogs offensive line for the then Washington Redskins of the 1980s. For Cody Grimm, after a three-year NFL playing career as a linebacker, he returned to his alma mater at Virginia Tech for five seasons as a quality control coach, then moved to the Buccaneers the last three seasons as a defensive assistant. He's now with the Jaguars in his first role as a position coach. Grimm now has an opportunity to coach second-year safety Andre Sisco. I mean, he's a really athletic player, and he's got great vision. He's got good range and vision. We obviously don't know anything about the physical side of it yet because we haven't had pads on. But as far as his movement, it's exceptional, and he's a really smart player. You can tell he he takes it serious, and he's a professional, and that's all you can ask. He's going to be just fine for us. A lot of people could be smart in the in the classroom, we say, but when stuff starts moving, you get jab motions, I'm jumping the back, and you got to – control the defense basically from the back end at least the coverage wise the linebackers will handle the front but our safeties handle the coverage and he's been a gr doing a great job as far as communicating and adjusting everyone if needed and trying to trying to take it all in
And we wrap with cornerbacks coach and defensive passing game coordinator Deshae Townsend. He was a fourth-round pick of the Steelers in 1998 out of Alabama and spent the first 12 years of his playing career in Pittsburgh before his final season in Indianapolis. He's been a cornerbacks coach every season since then with the Cardinals, Mississippi State, the Titans, Giants, Bears, and now the Jags. He started with his memories of playing against the Jaguars. I remember a couple posts and out routes with Jimmy, Jimmy Smith and some Kent battles with Kenny McCardle in the slot and probably getting ran, ran over by Fred Taylor out there. So it, it's a, it's a, I probably got some scratches and a little bit of blood left out there on the field. Did you think about that at all when I, the first time you walked in the stadium? Man, I, I, I will say this. I remember like one of the things that made me excited was when we would come here, how tough it was to play here. When the guys put that black on and we would play at night, oh man, that was it was a tough environment, and that, that's all that's in my mind of what this can become. It's just how tough it was to play in Jacksonville when they had McCarl and Fred Taylor, and they had Big um, Stroud and, and those guys on the inside later on. It was it was a tough environment to play in, and, and it makes you excited when you look at the guys in the building, the type of defense that we can become. It makes it it makes it makes some goosebumps comes on my arm from thinking about that feeling when I did play. Then it's on to the new Jaguars cornerback Darius Williams and Townsend's initial impressions of him off the field, plus getting Shaquille Griffin back in the interception game. The one thing that you do like about him is the way that he can take the ball away. You know, one thing that that we believe in and we're going to preach is turnovers. And, and he showed the capability of his career that he can take the ball away. And then once you talk to him, how smart he is. Like he's he is a true corner. Like he can talk ball. He, he understands how to play the position. And so, you know, when you get a guy like that, that is a, a leader, you know, and he's a, he can take the ball away, he's going to make the defense better. And then Shaq you know, always talks about, hey, I didn't have any takeaways last year. Yeah, you got to work on that. No can that get in a guy's head, though? And how do you get over that? I think the, the biggest thing is to get one. <laughs> you know, once you get one, it's kind of, you know, that's what you do. But then, it, you know, it just has to be what the belief is. You know, whatever, you know, I tell them, I tell the guys all the time, I was the biggest corner in the league. You know, you, if you make yourself believe that, you know, you are what you think you are. You know, it's just a thing of, you know, the belief and I, that we're going to be one of the top takeaway secondaries in the country and in the NFL, and that's what you have to believe. And we got to practice it. Like you got to, you got to go out every day. You just can't say it, but you got to see it on tape. Like you got to see guys attacking the ball. You have to give them drills where they're attacking the ball, and and then it's just going to carry over to the mindset to the game of being a takeaway team is going to take all eleven. You know, and that's that's the thing that we're all preaching at every position. And then finally, the nickel cornerback position and its importance to the Jaguars' defense. I think the biggest thing that, that happens on the inside is you're in every play. You know, you think about um, you think about in baseball, you might be in the outfield, you might get one hit hit to you in nine innings. But if you're a catcher or you're a shortstop or third, you're probably going to get a little action, the first baseman. And that's kind of how the nickel is, like – you're not going to get that, you know, one play on the outside of the corner. You're, you're going to get some run action. Like, they're going to run it. And then you're going to be involved in the pass game because typically that's a shorter guy for the route for the quarterback. So it's that position where you have to have a little bit of linebacker, then you got to have a lot of DB in you where you're going to be involved early. 
And uh, that's why I like the position. That's one of the positions I played because you didn't have to worry about warming up. You know, it, it, on the outside sometimes, if you're that guy, you might go 59 plays and then that 60th play, they give you one and they catch it and everybody's mad at you. But at nickel, you're getting involved early. And it's just that position where you got to have the mentality that you're a backer in the run game and you're a corner in the pass game. So you're, you're involved right away. Great stuff from the assistant coaches. We appreciate their time this week towards the end of this offseason program. The press conferences from Doug Peterson, Press Taylor, Mike Caldwell, and Heath Farwell available on Jaguars.com and the Jaguars social channels. Thanks for listening on Jaguars.com on the podcast tab at the top of the homepage or on the official Jaguars podcast network. Of course, that's on iHeartRadio, iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you download your podcast. And yes, leave us a comment and a five-star rating. We appreciate it. That's it for this week. Enjoy the weekend, and thanks for listening. I'm J.P. Shadrick. We'll catch you next week on the Jaguars Broadcast Weekend Review Podcast presented by TIAA Bank.